just one quick announcement before we get into the word today. Uh, we're gonna, we've been praying in this church for two years. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday mornings from 6.30 to 7.30, sometimes quarter to eight, sometimes longer. And we're gonna continue that. But we're gonna add a thing called First Friday. And the first Friday of every month, we're gonna give those of you that struggle with getting up in the morning and praying an opportunity to come into the house and pray corporately and intercede. So the first Friday of every month from seven o'clock to 8.30, we'll be in here praying also. And we just put on some worship music and we just pray. And the presence of the Lord shows up and he kind of directs things. So we're gonna do that. This Friday will be the first Friday of April, so we will be here on Friday night. We're not stopping the mornings, because I think they're great. I mean, it's a great way to start, start your day in the presence of God. But I know different people have different schedules, so we'll do that. So first Friday this week, amen? Okay, today's word, Isaiah 6. Starting in verse 1, I'm going to read out of the King James. And it said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims unto me, flew unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Amen. It starts out easily. We thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. 
But the prophet Isaiah takes it and he says, in the year King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. In the year the king died, I saw the Lord. He took one event, the year the king died, and he attached it to the day he saw the Lord. Or he took the day he saw the Lord. And to remember that, he attached it to the year that King Uzziah died. This is nothing new. We do it all the time. I mean, I can sit there and tell you, when I was in the eighth grade, President Kennedy was assassinated. Or I could say President Kennedy was assassinated in the year that I was in eighth grade. Or I can tell you I was working in Miami on the day of 9-11. On the day of 9-11, I was working in Miami. So we all tend to have that kind of habit where we just attach things to help us remember them and put them down. It's nothing new, but it's something that the prophet Isaiah did. And I'm going to give you a little history on the background of King Uzziah. He was 16 years old when he took the throne of Judah. 16. I don't think 16-year-olds today know how to tie their shoes, <laughs> much less run a kingdom. But he ran the kingdom for 52 years. 52 years he was on the throne, and he reigned. And the scripture said he did right in the sight of the Lord, just like his father did. And King Uzziah made a point every day to seek the Lord. And every day God made him prosperous. He was considered an innovative king. He was considered a very intelligent king. God used him to defeat the Philistines. God used him to defeat the Arabs. He built fortified towers. He strengthened his army. He had skilled men that he commissioned to learn how and make equipment to shoot arrows. He also commissioned men to build what we would call today catapults that would hurl rocks and large stones at the enemy. So he was smart that way. They say that he loved the soil. He was a great agricultural king. They grew many crops. They didn't want for anything. He was even admired by the Amorites. And you know, they've always been an enemy of, of Judea and Israel. But what happened to King Uzziah? Unfortunately, he became proud. And this led to his downfall. If we look in 2 Chronicles 26, 16, it says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he had transgressed against the Lord God 
and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now this was considered a sin. This was considered against the laws of God. Burning incense was something that only the priests did. So he went in, he set it up, he tried burning the incense. It was not the humble thing to do. It was not the godly thing to do. But it says that 80 priests, they were called very courageous priests, tried to stop the king. They tried to stop him from burning incense. They, told him this is against the laws of God. This is not a thing. This is a sin. This is not right to do. You're not honoring God. You will not be honored with God. But Uzziah became very angry with the priests that confronted him. And he could have had them executed at any time. But as he's in the temple and as he's fighting with the priests, his forehead begins to break out with leprosy. And he ran out of that temple in fear because leprosy had broken out on his head. And from that day forth, King Uzziah was a leper. He was living in a separate place in the palace he wasn't allowed to go to temple. He wasn't allowed to go near anyone. He was totally isolated. Because he had come against God. He had sinned against the Lord. And when we sin against the Lord, we are isolated from God's people. We are isolated from God. There's a door that just shuts and God sees you no more. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. We're talking about Solomon's temple and just the train of his robe filled it. That temple's bigger than this building. And it's just the train that filled it all the way up to give you an idea of just how much it was. And then the seraphim came. And they stood there with their six wings, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and two that they flied. And they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty, holy. It says it was such a powerful move of God that even the doorposts shook like an earthquake. Now, just for background information, the seraphim are only mentioned in Isaiah 6 and in Revelation 4.8. And it says four beasts, and each of them had six wings about them. And they were full of eyes within. And the rest, they did not rest day or night. They just said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, 
and is and is to come. This was their job. Holy, holy, holy. The angels understood the reverence of God. They held God in the highest regard. We humans have a problem with that. We have a problem holding God with the reverence that he deserves. We have a problem saying that God is holy, and a lot of things that we do are unholy. They are not right in the eyes of the Lord. And we need to remember who it is that's sitting on the throne. It is the Lord God Almighty. We need to hold him in high regard. The problem is the influence of the world has taken God from here and tried to put him down there. We're the ones down there. He is up there. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. So pursue peace with all people. That always isn't easy to do. But also you have to pursue holiness. You have to pursue it. Because that's the only way you're going to see the Lord. High and lifted up. It's the only way you're going to see his robe fill that temple. So we get back to verse 5. And it says, Woe is me. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah said, he said, I'm a sinner. I live in a world of people that are all sinners. We live in this world. God has separated you. He has called you out. You're going to go through and you've gone through the same exact thing that Isaiah is. He's realizing, I've seen the Lord. And yet, I'm unclean. I myself know when I, the day I saw the Lord, I was unclean. It wasn't until after the, I saw the Lord Amen. that I was made clean. Amen. And it's probably the same for each and every one of you. You were unclean until you saw the Lord. And then... You were made clean. The Lord does not see sin. The Lord does not fellowship with darkness. God is holy. 
God is high and lifted up. So look what takes place here. It says, one of the seraphim flew unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth. And as he touched my lips, he said, your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. You've just been made clean. <clears throat> now that's the same exact thing that happens to us the day we sit down with Jesus and we say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I will live a life sinning no more. Forgive me, Lord. Purge my sin. And Jesus does. He did it on the cross for everyone. He paid that debt. You just got to call upon him. But as I read this scripture, I came up with one question. It says the seraphim removed the coals from the altar with tongs and then put it in his hand. The coal wasn't going to burn him. He already just put a hot coal in his hand. So the coal is not going to burn him. Actually, seraphim from the Greek is, is the word for burning ones. So he wasn't going to burn. He could have reached down and took the coal himself. But he used the tongues. Why? Because God's altar is so holy oh, yeah. that not even a seraphim could touch it himself. The altar was so holy that he couldn't touch it. That's how sacred Amen. the altar of God is. Amen. That's how holy God is. Remember in Exodus 3, Moses is with God. God says, hey, draw near this place, but take off your sandals. For the place you're standing is on holy ground. Amen. We are standing on holy ground. Amen. And his presence is all around. Hallelujah. His presence is all around. Remember, Jesus sent a Holy Spirit to dwell within you. God's presence is always with you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You are never alone. Just like when Moses said, I'm not going into the promised land unless you come. Amen. You already got him with you. He's going wherever you go. Amen. You might go some places you want to put the Holy Spirit in the trunk of your car. And say, you can't come in here. But he's going. Jesus Christ took my iniquities away. Amen. Jesus Christ paid for my sin. He forgave me. Amen. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. Hallelujah. Out of
out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my steps. And he put a new song in my mouth. Can you say praise God? Praise God. It says many will see him in fear. If you see God, you do fear him. You understand the reverence and the holiness of God. Amen. But you've got to really see him. Because if you don't, if you're not seeing God that way, one has to question your relationship with God. Yep. Is it real? Or is it just superficial? Sin has no control over you. Amen. The day that Jesus Christ came into your life, he broke all those chains. Amen. He took them just like they dropped those chains on Paul in prison. Glory. Sin could not hold him. Sin has no control over you. If you sin, it's a conscious choice on your behalf. It's not something God told you to do. It's your choice. So on the day that you surrender and you make Jesus the center of your life, the flesh has no control over you. It's done. Look at Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. That means you chase the ways of the world. But to those who live according to the Spirit, your mind is on the things of God. Yes. Scripture tells us that God's way of thinking is different than ours. Yes. God's economy is different. God's everything is different. Amen. We have to learn to trust Him. We have to learn to trust Him. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's your pursuing peace. To live with your mind like the spirit. Amen. To think like the spirit. It says a cardinal mind is an enemy of God. It has no fear. It has no nothing. So those that are in the flesh... You cannot please God. Nope. And if you're God's children, like we say, oh, I'm a child of God. Well, if you're anybody's child, you're going to want to please your parents. Amen. At least until you become a teenager. <laughs> so we'll talk about little kids. They always want to please God. We want to please God. We are his children. So what, to do that, you have to live the way God wants you to live. Come on. It says, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ in him, then he doesn't belong to God. And if Christ is in you, then the body is dead to sin. But the spirit is life. It's a spirit of righteousness. And if the spirit is in whom raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if he dwells in you, 
that he lifted you from the death of sin. And now you sit up with Jesus. You are with Christ. He dwells within you. Then verse 8 of today's scripture. It says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, here I am. Send me. Having recognized his shocking sinfulness and having filthy lips cleansed, the heavens were thrown open to Isaiah. He saw the throne of God. Can you picture that in your mind? Seeing the throne of God. Seeing the throne of God. Amen. I'm sure he just gazed at that thing. His jaw dropped open. He was like, oh. It's the same thing we're going to say when we see that throne. We're going to be so scared, we're going to fall flat on our faces. Because we just entered the presence. That's what Isaiah did. He found himself just laying there on the throne. And he said, the throne is saying, Who's up? who am I going to send? What's he going to send you out to do? He's going to send you out Amen. to spread the gospel. Amen. He's going to send you out to talk about the kingdom of God. Now Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Now in English, that comes across a certain way. But in the Hebrew, if you translate it a little differently, it says, God, you know, check me out. If I'm worthy, I'll go. God, look at me. If you think I can do it, I'll do it. God, I'm here, but it's up to you whether you want to send me or not. He comes before God very humbly in the Hebrew. The, the Greek translation takes it a little, in English, makes it a little sharper. Like he's definitely qualified. But Isaiah is really saying, if you think I can do it, I'll go. If I'm good enough to go, I'll go. If you want me to go, God, I'll go. But it's an awesome vision. It's an awesome thing. The divinity of God's glory. Amen. To see that. I mean, we feel his presence in this place. Glory. If you didn't feel his presence this morning, when they were worshiping, your hearts were hardened. Your heart just wasn't right. Because the presence of the Lord was here. You just got to surrender that a little bit more. Let those barriers come down and let, let the presence of God just enter into you. Because the worship this morning just ushered in an awesome presence of God. And we could feel him. We didn't see him, but we could feel him. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Amen. 
We have been chosen by God. This is his permanent dwelling place. We have created this place for God. This is where he lives. And he comes down and dwells within us. He manifests himself. But he also dwells within us. So you have to say to yourself, am I the proper temple of the Lord? Because we, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, are we not? So we have to become proper facility for God to dwell within us. We have to live right. We have to do things according to God. So just try to picture a glimpse of what Isaiah saw. John talks about the same thing in Revelation. Seeing the throne room of God. What an awesome sight. What an awesome place. We have to come to a term within ourselves that if we are truly God's children, we have to live accordingly. We have to act accordingly. We have to become that temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to be God's representation here on earth. For well, that's what they're saying. God is saying, hey, I took away your sin. I've taken away your iniquity. Now, who's going to go? Who's going to share the word? Matthew 28 says, and Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Not that you're going to be a witnesses in the same group you're always a witness in. But you're going to be witnesses all over. Amen. You have to branch out Amen. like the vine. Branch out and go because you've been called. Branch out and go. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, I 